0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Recovery from Relapse meeting. Today is Tuesday, the 25th of April, 2023, and it is my honour to welcome John P. who will be sharing his experience, strength and hope with us today. John lives in Indiana and has been in OA since December 2012. So, John, it's over to you. Am I muted? Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. My name is John P. and uh, I'm a grateful, recovering compulsive reader. Um, before I start telling you a little bit about myself, I would like to read one of my favorite uh, portions of the Big Book. Uh, set a set of context for um, my 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 talk. <clears throat> this is from a page. This is from page 124. We grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them to assets. The alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset of the family, and frequently is the most, is almost the only one. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem, showing others who suffer how we can give, how we, how we were given help is the very thing which makes it makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Climbing to that thought in God's hands, the dark past is the, the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others, that that you can avert death and misery for them. And uh, I really want my my story to be a message of hope. I've had some uh, had some hard things happen to me, and I've had some good things happen to me since I've been in recovery. Uh, but I I will never I I am so grateful to be part of recovery and to be here today and share my story with you. Um, Alan, I tell you what, maybe now would be a good time for us to show the pictures. Uh, at my top weight, I weighed 538 pounds. And uh, uh, as of today's date, I've released more than 330 and maintained that. As you can see, um, these are some uh, some family pictures. Um, one's with my daughter uh, and uh, one, one of my, the orange shirt uh, was at my son's graduation. Um, and then of course, one since I've been in recovery with the weight loss. And they say a picture's worth a thousand words. So, I mean, I think that says an awful lot about the hope of recovery. I felt like I was terminally unique in a lot of ways. Um, so I, so um, relapse is a part of my story. And I understand this, that's the special focus of this meeting. Um, four years ago, I added about 50 pounds due to overeating, but I was still in program, still going to meetings, still sponsoring people, still not big, but uh, I think that speaks to the insidious nature of addiction, that, um, that, that in subtle ways, I slowly let go the things that were making me um, abstinent, and I had to face some hard truths at some point. Um, so I've always been told that the best way to do a long lead is to tell what it was like, what happened, and what's like now. Um, I want to do something a little differently about talking about what it was like. Um, I could do a, a standard drunk-a-log and tell you all the times I stole food and, and hid food and went to the drive-through and all that kind of stuff. But since this is a since this is a, um, this is a focus on relapse for me, relapse starts in my head. The big book says that my addiction is a physical allergy to and a mental obsession with my alcoholic foods that requires a spiritual solution. Without recovery, my best thinking got me to 538 pounds, and uh, um, and I mean, there's just no way to 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 ignore a problem that significant. Although I did my best to try to do that, what I so so what I did on my way up to 538 pounds. I play a lot of mental games. And when I was in when I was in relapse, I played a lot of mental games. So I wanted to frame, phrase, frame this in the mind games that I was playing at that time. And maybe you'll find some connection to them. Um, and hopefully you'll find a little bit of humor too. Um, so what the one of the games I used to play when I was when I was large and in charge well, it was who's the fattest person in the room? Right? There are, there are no winners to that game, right? The fact that I was even comparing myself to other people as far as my size said that that I had a problem. And and it it often led to shame and embarrassment. Although I was not as fat as the other person that I thought was fatter than myself, um, I still was having lots of trouble. the next game I would play with myself is the price is right, or do I have enough money in my checking account to buy one of my alcoholic foods? I would play this math game in my head to determine how much money I had in my checking so I could go through the drive through one more time that day to be able to get my alcoholic foods and how I could find the money to be able to do that. Um, another game that I would play is the size challenge. Can I fit into that? Can I fit into the chair? Can I fit into the booth? Can I fit into the clothing? I remember the day that I, I wasn't sure whether or not I would be able to fit into a 6X size pair of pants at a big men's store. That was that was a pressing day. Um days where I couldn't ride rides with my kids. Uh I remember the day when, when in recovery when I was able to fit into a booth again. That was that was an amazing thing, or be able to cross my legs. Um the weight challenge, will this chair support me? Both, both the last one and this one had to do with shame. And shame for me is is a road to relapse. It's, it's, it's a road to, to compulsive eating. I learned very early in my life that the way to be able to deal with emotional distress and pressure and being overwhelmed was to eat compulsively, to sneak food. Um, I There's a story, I, I used to uh, go to meetings and we would we would meet in usual places. There was this one place where we would meet in a, in, in, a, in a lounge, and they had these hard plastic chairs that I thought might not support my weight. But I sat it, and it looked felt, felt pretty comfortable to begin with. And then, as the meeting progressed, I slowly felt myself sinking to the ground, and the the, the chair legs bowing out. As, as, and no, nobody else acknowledging it and me feeling completely afraid as to what was going to happen until I finally got, out and got up out of the chair and said I have to sit in something else differently. Um, that was, that was another embarrassing situation. Um, this is a good one. If it's not on my plate, the calories don't count. That's the relapse thinking right there, right? Um, it, I, I have a problem. I had a problem with grazing and it's one of the compulsive food behaviors that, that is it, on my abstinence list um but uh, that that's 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 a that's a that's a funny one the, the the corollary to that is diet soft drinks magically reduce the calorie count of the other foods that i'm ordering uh, at the drive-thru right so i can order three cheeseburgers two orders of fries. i'm i'm excuse me if i shouldn't be referring to food but i can order a lot of food and and if i ordered a large diet coke i was doing good i was i was being responsible with my food some other games I played is uh, entitled 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 eating. I deserved this alcoholic food item, right? That, that, that usually I usually did that when I was hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed. When I wanted to really comfort myself, I felt like this is the way to be able to do it, and I deserved this. There's nothing nothing more um, or nothing more uh, um, challenging than entitled eating. Another form of eating that I perfected was revenge eating. Um, my first my first marriage ended in divorce, and not due in small part to the um, the weight in my eating, and and I was a very angry and, and bitter person for most of my life. I, I for most most of my life I had a weight problem, and I, I didn't feel like I was loved or cared for. Um, I felt my family loved me conditionally. And I could never do enough to, to earn, earn their, their, their affection. As a result, um, uh, as, as a result, I, I turned to food again as a comfort for me. Um, but when I would get angry at people, I would eat. If they had a favorite food item in the house, I would eat eat most of it and leave just a sliver of it left for for them to say, I, you know, I was getting back at you for something. That's kind of a, that's again, that's not very good thinking. Um, the next game I would play is I can control my eating this time, or all, only one bite won't hurt. You know, that first compulsive bite, you know. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, I have taken that extra bite and looked around for the heavens to open and for the earth, the earth to swallow me up, and it didn't happen. And that led me to take the next compulsive bite, and pretty soon, I was back, I was putting on weight, and when I put on the 50 pounds, when I relapsed, I did it in like a matter of three or four months. It, it has taken me nearly four years to take all that weight off. So, so it scared me that I would really, I put on that weight so quickly, and I felt like, oh my goodness, I was heading the 500 plus. And and actually, that, I think that was a healthy part of my brain telling me that um, that there's something really wrong here. I needed I needed to be honest. I needed to be honest with myself. Um, Another another thing that I experienced when when I was uh, over over when I was morbidly obese was the fact that I could be both invisible and visible at the same time. When I would go grocery shopping, I I I have trouble with my knees due to my weight. I had trouble still at, at 200 pounds, but at 500 pounds, I walked with a cane and I couldn't walk for long periods of time. So I would go to grocery stores and ride the electric carts. To get groceries and I would bring my kids with me to help beat my legs and get things. It's amazing that how people do not make eye contact with you when you're in a cart. We would check out, and the cashier would address my younger, my daughter, who's younger than me, rather than, than, than me with, with the money in my hand to pay for the food. And that 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 was a dehumanizing aspect of being overweight. On the other hand, Um, I could be, I could stand out in a crowd. I took my family once to Niagara Falls and we were waiting in line for an event and there was a group of young teenage boys that I knew were talking about me and embarrassed me to no end and I walked away from them and they followed me and continued to talk about me. It was probably one of the most humiliating times of my life. the last, the last two uh, games that I played in my head were, um, how can I overeat this abstinently? I mean, just that, that, that's, that takes a lot of uh, mental gymnastics. Uh, and and the last one is the buckets. Um, that's usually the last thing I think of before I binge or I relapse. It's not worth. It's not worth making the effort to do anything to stop it. I'm just going to go ahead and eat anyway. So. As you can see, my thinking was a big part of, of my, my uh, being stuck in the food and, and being stuck in the food affected every single aspect of my life. Um, it, I tried multiple ways to lose weight. I tried medical assistance. I, I tried, tried without. I did all of the, the weight um, watcher slash systems that you could find. Some I were successful in losing some weight, but every single time I I was never able to maintain it for the long-term. I did all this without a higher power. I did all this without support from other people. And I I see, I was in a program and I realized I secretly needed more than what I was getting from these programs, than education and medical intervention or counseling. I needed, I needed to be surrounded by a higher power. I needed to be surrounded by others in recovery in order to be successful. I just didn't know. I just, at that time, I didn't know about OA. Um, I developed a number of different health problems along the way. I had multiple leg infections. I developed diabetes. Of course, I had limited mobility. I had a bleeding ulcer. And one time, because I was taking over-the-counter pain painkillers would deal with my knee pain. Of course, I had the knee problems. My, my body was breaking down and and uh, and I I mean it didn't persuade me to, I mean, I, I had given up hope. I, I felt like that there was nothing that was available to me to help me lose weight. Um and I had friends that that would suggest way to me eventually. I had colleagues, I mean a clinical social worker, I work with helping people. I had colleagues that would tell me about OA, and my first response to them was to raise my mental middle finger and tell them to go screw themselves because they had no right to tell me how I needed to live. I felt like they needed to accept me for who I was, even though I had no, no, I, I, I had not accepted myself. I had no love for myself. Um, and I think that was a lot to ask of them. I remained angry, bitter, and lonely. And and I fantasized about my death and what my death would be like and what people and people throwing themselves on my casket saying, boo-hoo, we should have known better, should have said something. Well, people were saying things, I just wasn't listening. Um But you know, one of the things, one of the things that recovery did for me was it did surround me with a group of people that loved me for who I was, regardless of who I was, the very first moment I entered entered the rooms. But the the, the the moment that turned it turned for me, in, in November of 2012, before I started my first OA meeting, I had developed a leg infection that was pretty serious. I'd gone to the doctor for antibiotics. Antibiotics was not infected, affecting my leg infection. Uh, I, at the same time, I, this is when I started losing um, blood internally and was losing losing all orientation, was dizzy, and and basically bleeding to death. Um, I'm not joking. I I had to have a transfusion of two pints of blood when I was admitted to the hospital. I was lying in the hospital. Just a few months earlier, my boss had sat down with me, pulled me aside, and and we had a frank discussion about whether or not I could do my job anymore. I had known about OA, and I, I was laying in that hospital bed thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing to myself? And I finally recognized at that point that I was an addict. That middle finger was not going up anymore. I became willing. I had hit bottom. One of the things I I learned since is that um, you know people say, "Well, when do you hit bottom?" It's like somebody said, "When you stop digging." Well, I stopped digging. I put the shovel down. I I, I had I had decided that that OA was it. Um, and I reached out to my boss, who was a fellow, who was, a, was in another twelve step fellowship, and, and asked her if she could put me in connection with somebody in OA. She called somebody in OA that she knew through through her fellowship. That's fifteen minutes. Thank you so much. Um, she she reached out to somebody in in the OA fellowship who called me while I was in the hospital. I actually didn't attend my first meeting until mid December. But for the first two or three weeks before that, I had, had I had developed a sponsor unknowingly what that was before I went and in, in, went into the rooms. I called him from the hospital several times and we talked about my recovery. And what he did was he just listened to me. He listened to me talk about my experience, talk about anything that, that was bothering me. And, and that was the most that connection was it was miraculous. I mean, it's nothing short of miraculous for I me. Mean, um, and so I entered the rooms, uh, and uh, uh, and the, one of the things that, that I am fascinated about in the big book is the story of E.B. Thatcher coming to Bill W. and telling him about twelve step recovery in its nascent form, and and tracing back my experience with somebody reaching out to me, me reaching out to them, and sharing this the hope of recovery. Then, that tradition, you know, of, being, of passing the message on from one person to the next and giving hope, is 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 dear to me, and I and I love I love love knowing that there is that connection and that, that tradition. The big book says on page twenty, our very lives as ex problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. That that connection to other people, that connection I had to other people in in, in recovery. Has been has been the element that I've been missing in my life. My connection to my higher power has been the another element that I've been missing in my life that has helped me have the strength and the courage to be able to lose over 300 pounds and be able to maintain that for years. I am just so I'm I am lucky to be alive here because I could very easily have said, "Fuck it, I'm not you know I'm just going to die. I'm going to die here in the hospital. I'm going to go on disability. I'm going to isolate myself." I could have done, I could have done that, but I didn't. And you know, I'm grateful that that I, I reached out and, 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 and called and that somebody reached back. That that to me, that's the miracle of recovery. So with that, with that gentleman, I worked the 12 steps. I used the tools, lost weight. And I think I referred to the fact earlier in my, my talk that um that I was divorced. I was a single man, thought, thought that I was unlovable. Thought that I could never find anybody again, but I did take a liking to this uh, this beautiful woman in, uh, in in recovery, and we started dating each other. By that time, I had I had finished the first three steps, and I told my sponsor that I thought I was ready to date. My sponsor thought I was a fool, and I was being probably you know overly anxious. Uh, for the first time in my life, I felt like I could possibly be attracted to somebody else. But my sponsor told me to put that on hold. He thought it'd be dead on us if I put that on hold and worked the fourth and fifth step. And I'm really grateful that he did that, that he really asked me to work the fourth and fifth step. Because he said, I don't know. Before I worked the fourth and fifth step, he said, I didn't know myself. And he was right. I needed to be able to do that searching fearless moral inventory of myself. So I didn't do any more damage to, to, the, to this person's life than, than I had done to previous relationships. Um, and eventually, eventually I did my fourth step and continued to work the rest of the steps and over the next year dated this young lady and, and asked her to marry me and we got married. We got married on the 12th, the 10th of December of 2016. That, that date seems to be recurring in my life. Um, and, and it's a happily ever after story at this point, right? You know, boy meets girl, boy gets girl, boy moves on. It's, it, this is closing credits and everybody lives happily ever after. Well, unfortunately, life has a way of happening. And uh, the next day I got terribly ill. Um, I felt this tremendous pain in my chest and in my legs. We, this is, this is while we're on our honeymoon, mind you. We went to the hospital and the doctor said that more than likely what I was experiencing was the symptoms of leukemia. And, and about two or three weeks later, I was diagnosed with full-blown acute lympho- lymphoplastic leukemia (ALL). So I had to deal with, you know, this is this is the second time that always saved my life, because uh, um, I mean, the first thing I did is I took that as a death sentence, right? You know, um, how was I lost all this, and I thought. God, what are you telling me here? <laughs> you know, I lost all this weight, found found love again, found found hope again, and you're going to take all that away from me now. And uh, and I just I you know I talked to my sponsor, but you know what? I was so grateful for the 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 the, the embrace of, of those in recovery because I was able to talk about those feelings rather than have them sit in my my chest and harbor them and fester them, have them fester like a, like an infection. I was able to talk about my fears, do inventory, work the 12 steps on, on cancer. And, and, for, and, and for the next six months, I was in and out of chemotherapy and lost my hair. I, you know, I found that it's, you can't gain weight while you're on chemotherapy. I used to I used, to have, I used to, as a kid, pray to God, give me cancer because then I would be skinny. I mean, again, that tells you the kind of thinking that I had. Um, now that I had, now that I had cancer, I was able. I put on weight primarily because I was being pumped full of all kinds of fluids. But you know, the the the, the strength of recovery and other people, that connection with other people, helped help me give me the hope to be able to maintain and 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 to engage with my cancer, and to work with it and to embrace it and to make it a part of my life. The way that they, the other people, in recovery did that for me is they showed up in my my room. My sponsor came and saw me nearly every day. He, he was fortunate that he was working very close, and could come at his lunch hour, and we would talk. I, I, I did service from a hospital room. Uh, other people came. If I was sick and unable to, in the hospital, unable to attend a meeting, people brought meetings to me. And I understand that's not the first time that's ever happened. I thought, oh, this is a. It happened to me first time. No, only people have done it for other people. But that just shows you the love that we have for each other, you know, and. And that, that I, the nurses were so so amazed. I think that 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 they that they allowed to br- us to break the visitation rule of uh, only two three people. We would have fifteen people in my room, all sharing and doing a meeting, and it was amazing. I think and the nurses would keep out of a room and check on us for about an hour hour and a half. It was this is the most uh, most amazing thing that I ever experienced in my entire life. All that love in the room. Um, Unfortunately, after I was finished my chemotherapy, I became septic and entered a coma for two and a half weeks. And that's where recovery people were really important in supporting my wife. I came real close to dying, but you know, I look at it this way. I I had long, if I had if I had developed ke- uh, leukemia at 538 pounds, I would have died then in that situation too. And recovery saved my life in that situation. It was touch and go for a long period of time, but but because I had lost weight, because I'd gotten more fit, because I was taking care of myself health wise, because I engaged with the cancer, with the sport, and love of those people, and in fellowship with, with the support of my higher power, I was able to manage to pull through, and and and. We never, we didn't think I'd be able to walk again or or drink or eat solid food. And I am here to tell you that I'm walking, eating solid food. I live as normal life as I possibly can. The, The OA 12 and 12 on page 109 says, many of us would not be alive today if it were not for our OA groups. And that's certainly true for me. So why relapse? Well, Addiction is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It's also insidious and subtle, it's seductive. I got cocky, right? Thought I was kind of bulletproof. I'd use recovery to get through cancer. i have been in remission. I'd be coming up on seven years in remission here soon, next February. I stopped, I stopped using the tools I started going to meetings, but I would justify my weight gain as me still struggling to maintain a healthy body weight, although it was going in the wrong direction. I had lost, I love that how acronym, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I had lost all three of those things at some point. Because I had stopped practicing the habits of recovery. I had stopped doing the things that I needed. I would stopped praying and meditating. I started taking that extra bite. I made excuses for myself. I got. I started playing those mind games all over again. But thankfully, I had a sponsor who was not only in OA, but in another fellowship as well. And he had years and years of recovery in that fellowship. And he confronted me with my weight gain and said, John, you're not being abstinent. You're not being in recovery, you're being in the food. And I was very uncomfortable with that. I'm not a, not a big one of confrontation. But he did it in a very loving way and he said, I can't help you. You need a food sponsor. You need somebody. That's 25 minutes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm nearly done. This is I'm this is an answer to prayer right here. <laughs> um, boy, uh, so my sponsor confronted me. He was being honest with me and he said he could not help me with my food, so I needed to get a food sponsor. And I got a food sponsor, a woman that that I respected her recovery tremendously. And we have been working together for the last four years, working the steps through, through, you know, again. And uh, I'm not working the steps, I I didn't, I'm not sure if I said, but I have also been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So I'm working the steps with that, trying to embrace that the same way they embraced my cancer. looking for hope and for vitality in life where, where uh, there's illness and brokenness. Um, she has helped me to get back to my goal weight. and I'm within five pounds of that. So, you know, I, I thought that it, one of my big fears when I relapse is, well, th- did I catch lightning in a bottle the first time? Was this my only shot at recovery the first time? Was I destined to put on the weight bag plus some um, and never, get, never, never become absent again, or never never be in a, at a healthy body weight? And I'm here to tell you that program works just as well the second time around as it does the first time around. I've heard that there's there's always another relapse, but there's not always another recovery, and that's true. I don't want to tempt fate, but I have learned that if I work the steps and work the program, no matter what the circumstances, I will find recovery. And that 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 that's very comforting to me. Um, my so uh, a fellow traveler in, in in recovery said this to me once, and I thought it was really profound. The quality of my life is directly related to the quality of my social connections. I'm not, I'm not alone in my disease. Other people understand and exp- and know what uh, compulsive overeating is it, it is. And when I connect to them, when I use the tools of recovery, when I when I read literature, when I write, when I go to meetings, when I call my sponsor, pick up the phone, all nine tools, I am connecting to my higher power. I'm agnostic when it comes to a personal God, but I but I do believe in the God in the rearview mirror. I've seen in my life miraculous things happen to me that I can't explain. I do believe that there's a force for good in the world, and that force for good lives and breathes in, in recovery. I think that's you know, the other things I could tell you is that, that it's restored my relationship. It's given me a lot of emotional healing, a lot of spiritual healing. I'm at peace with the world now. Where Before, I was an angry man who wanted to fight with everybody and just go off in my corner and die. I no longer want that. I want to be engaged. I want as much life as I possibly can. And, and I'm grateful that recovery has given me that opportunity on more than one occasion. Um, there seems to be so much more that, that, that I want to say, but I think that's a good place for me to end. Uh, how, much time, how, much, how much time do I have left? Two minutes. How about we just end right there? And, and, and I think that's enough. I'm great. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my message. It always does my program so much when I'm able to share, share, my lead. And I'm so grateful that you had, gave me the opportunity to be able to, to, to uh, participate. And uh, with that, I'll be quiet and turn it over to uh, whoever's next.